Welcome to episode 159 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we do our year in review for 2022. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCourt, and today we're doing a year in review. Uh, we've got lists of our favorite episodes of the year and our favorite games of the year um, from many of our hosts. So without further ado, let's just get right into it. Um, our first set of games and episodes are from Katie Lesperance. Katie, take it away. Hello, Left Behind Game Club listeners. Uh, it is Katie Lesperance, the resident Left Behind Game Club Soulsborne addict. Um, no surprise, my year in review of 2022 is pretty Soulsborne heavy. So we'll start off with the favorite Left Behind podcast of the year. Um, it took me a very little time, like four seconds, to figure out what my number one favorite podcast of the year was. And that was, of course, Bloodborne. I'd been wanting to replay Bloodborne anyway, because it was the first uh, Soulsborne game for me that really stuck and that I got through and that I, you know, it clicked and I really loved it. So um, I'd been wanting to go back just to see it with fresh eyes now that I have a bit more experience with these games and going back to it with some friends along with me, with Flora and surprise, surprise with Jacob. Uh, we Yes, we dragged Jacob into it. We got him to play a Soulsborne game um, and he liked it. Amazing. Who would have thought it? Um, but that part one... I do remember I, seeing his eyes during our chat during the podcast recording and thinking, oh my God, the despair in this man's eyes. We might not get there. Like we might not get to part two. He might bail. He might play like two more hours and just say, no, I'm done. I don't want to do this. I'm bailing. And then part two would never have happened or it might have happened, but it wouldn't be the same without Jacob there having having gotten him to play it so I was so happy when you know I th- a couple days later he's like oh I I think I'm getting this and I was like yes it's gonna happen we're gonna make it um we pretty much all got there you know got to the end uh Flora was real close I think she finished it afterwards though and then um it was just like a fun discussion it was fun to do part one and kind of hash out everyone's challenges with the start of the game, um, give some, you know, tips and tricks, and then getting to part two and really like diving into uh, the different world areas and, and the story and me being able to just kind of yammer on about the lore and all the things that I find exciting about Bloodborne. Um, it was just a really, really fun recording. Um, so I was really, really glad we got to do that. And then Returnal was also a lot of fun. Um, also, another hard game that we got Jacob to to play. Um, we have a theme here. Um, I I just love Returnal so much, and I was just happy to um, go back to it and then be able to talk about it with people. Talk about how great the combat is, um, the story there. There's so much to talk about, kind of like under the surface that you can dig into. Um, yeah, Returnal is just a lot of fun. I love that game, and I loved uh, recording a podcast about it. Uh, another podcast that I was not on, 
that was just like just really, really strong and it was really good listen and I, I really enjoyed it was the Celeste pod, um, which Flora hosted. And she did a great job. And Celeste is just it's just such a great game. Um the the gameplay is so much fun. And then the story, I had my own um like personal connections with that game and just my emotional attachment to it and things that I took from it, but hearing other people's response to it and um, how deeply it hit and and the special guest Frozen Flygon who came on and particularly the um, speedrunning community around that game because I don't really know that much about speedrunning. So it was um, really educational to me. I learned a lot. And then also what that game means to the queer community Um that was great to listen to. I just thought it was a really, really interesting, fun podcast about a really great game. So yeah, I loved the Celeste pod. It's definitely one of my favorites of the year. And then moving on to, so my favorite game releases of the year are, so no surprise, I don't think I'm shocking anyone when I say this, that my game of the year was Elden Ring. Um, it was, it was just, it was so hyped before it came out, that I was nervous. I thought it would be good for sure, but I didn't know. I I thought there's no way it'll live up to the hype. And then the reviews came out and they were amazing. I thought, oh my God. And then I fired it up and it was, it was everything I dreamed it would be. Like I, I love Elden Ring so much. I sunk so much time into that game. I platinum that game. I will gladly go back whenever they release DLC. Um, I will, yeah, I'll be ecstatic. It's just, it has everything that I wanted it to have where I was worried that because your Soulsborne games are typically so linear, um, with offshoots, obviously there's optional areas, but still it's, it's more linear than, than Elden Ring. Um, I didn't know how the game design would adapt to that and if it would be too difficult or too much of a pain to get around. And no, they, you know, the fast travel is really easy. Um, even just like the beginning of the game, um, when they're teaching you the game to you and you walk out of the initial area and there is the tree sentinel. And if you go up to the tree sentinel, he'll probably beat the crap out of you like right away. Um, and then you go, oh, but I don't have to fight him because it is an open world. And that's, you know, that's FromSoft teaching you that you are going to run into things that you can't beat yet. And that's okay. Like right out the gate, you can't fight this thing, but you have so many other areas that you can go to. You can go around him. There's like a little beach area over here that you can explore. Um, There's just so many things that you can do. And I just, I love that game. It kept surprising me, you know, 50, 60, 70 hours in, and I just kept on stumbling upon things that are interesting. And yeah, I, I love it. I would go back in a heartbeat. Um, another game that came out that was personally for me hyped. And I was a little bit worried, but it turned out okay. Return to Monkey Island. I didn't think I would ever get another Monkey Island sequel. And then Ron Gilbert, it felt like he was speaking directly to me when he released that he was making another game. I'm like, oh, it's... This is what I always wanted. Um, I replayed, you know, the first, the original three uh, Monkey Island games in the lead up to this one coming out. Um, and then 
having just played those ones and then playing the new Return to Monkey Island, it it was a Monkey Island game. You know, I was worried it wouldn't feel like that, but it did. It felt like like a throwback to a Monkey Island game, but modernized, which is hard to do. So I ended up really, really enjoying it. And yeah, thank you, Ron Gilbert. Um, other than that, I mean, I played a lot of games, a wide variety of games. Um, but I also played a lot, a lot of roguelike. A lot of roguelike hours were sunk in um, between Binding of Isaac, Slay the Spire, and uh, Ring of Pain I've been getting into recently. Um, all of those are just, I just love going back to them. I, I go back to them usually at night, usually kind of wind down at the end of the night. I'll fire one of them up, whichever one I feel like at the time, and just kind of relax in with one of my favorite games, throw some music on. It's just a good hang. So, so yeah, those are, uh, those weren't released this year, but those were some games that I spent a lot of time with along with the new releases. And that is my 2022. It was a good year. It's a strong year, a podcast and games, um, ended up being stronger year in game releases than I think I initially thought it would be. And I'm looking forward to 2023 because so many games are coming out that I'm really, really excited for. Um, So I'm excited to dive in. So yeah, so uh, I'll talk to you later. I'll see all the cool people in the Discord where we belong. And uh, yeah, Happy New Year. Thanks, Katie. And you're right. I almost did quit Bloodborne a few times, um, just like I'm currently quitting on Elden Ring. Uh, but more on that later. Uh, I've got a list from our friend Mo Murtati. Um, He doesn't play a lot of new games, but he did have this to say. He said, here's my favorite episode of the year. It was Horizon Zero Dawn. Great game. Great episode. So many insights given and could help anyone in starting the game for themselves. Um, like I said, Mo doesn't play a lot of new games. Um, so as far as his top games of 2022, uh, he's got two of them. F1 2022, um, he and his friends have been hit by the sim racing bug. And so he's been playing a lot of that lately. And beyond that, uh, Destiny 2 Witch Queen, uh, with that release, there's so much content in the game and still plenty more coming out. A close friend of his opened his eyes to the game and he's been having a blast playing it. So Mo, thank you for sending that list through. Uh, we've got another list and that comes from flora marigold flora take it away hi everyone this is flora and i'm here to add some of my thoughts for the year in review episode for 2022 as far as the episodes of the left behind game club that i think were my favorites over the last year i kind of have two different categories in my head and the first category is episodes where we were able to bring on a guest who I think added a lot of value to the perspective and the conversation around these games that we were having. And then the other kind of category, I, I think, breaks the mold, which which I'll talk about and elaborate on in a second. So as far as the episodes where we brought on guests, uh, this was obviously my first year hosting episodes on the show. And some of the choices we made on the schedule this year meant that not everyone on the show was eager to play each game. So I decided to reach out to a few people and see if we can sort of supplement our roster or our panel on these various games. So the first one being episode 139, which was Celeste. Celeste is one of my favorite games of all time. I've been following it for years. And one of my favorite speedrunners in the Celeste community, Frozen Flygon, happened to be someone that I followed on Twitter. And I had seen their presence at places like GDQ, and I thought that they might be a great person 
to sort of speak about the game from a place of expertise, not just technical expertise, but also enthusiasm and sort of the passion for community that Celeste has sort of organically sprung up over the last few years. We invited Frozen Flygon onto the show. They agreed to come, and I thought that that was a great sort of entry point to the episodes that I led the discussions for or hosted. And then much later in the year, uh, one of our most recent episodes, in fact, episode 158, where we covered part one of Yakuza Zero, we invited guest Imran Khan onto the show, whose written work, at the very least, I have followed for years as well. And on Imran's Twitter, I have seen him joking about and praising quite profusely the Yakuza series, specifically Yakuza 0, for a while now. And I thought, what a fun guest that would be, because I know that not only does Imran deeply care about the Yakuza games, but he has also the sort of professional expertise of having interviewed people who work at Ryo Gagatoku Studios. And so that was another one where I just reached out, didn't know what to expect. He came on and not only did I have a few laughs with Imran, or we all shared them rather, but I feel like I learned a bunch of things about the game or was reminded about how silly some things in the game truly are over the course of that conversation. And so those kinds of episodes, the Celeste and the Yakuza Zero Part 1 show, were invigorating in a way that um, very few episodes just as a listener can be. So participating in that sort of higher level conversation was refreshing and um, it built my enthusiasm quite a bit. Now, the other and arguably a little more long-winded way of looking at this is um, because this was my first year hosting episodes on the show, a number of the games I picked for the schedule were games that I had already played. So off the top of my head, I'm thinking about like some of my favorites, like Nier Automata or Mutazione or Paradise Killer, some of the games I just mentioned, Celeste and Yakuza 0, uh, etc., etc. Very few of those games were games that I was playing for the first time. And so a lot of what this year has felt like was me replaying a lot of these games. And so something over the course of this year that feels rather refreshing is the one or two games on the schedule that I played for the first time. And my favorite of those games has to be Bloodborne. The first episode where we sort of primed Jacob for the FromSoft experience was great because I had just enough From Software games under my belt to be dangerous. Then I was the one who miraculously fell behind and didn't finish the game. And so in our part two episode, I got to learn to my astonishment that Jacob practically lapped me and then Katie was able to fill in all of this intense lore and I I just got so much value out of hearing someone else talk about this game on the other end of it where I only had just one or two more bosses ahead of me. Now, admittedly, I haven't finished Bloodborne yet. I will finish it, but it is a new year and I'm feeling increasingly guilty about not only that game, but many other unfinished games as well. So yeah, those two categories of favorites, I think are sort of the highlights, but it was a fantastic year for games as far as I'm concerned. And it was really, really cool to be able to like contribute to the schedule uh, as well as the episodes. So the other thing to reflect on, and I'll keep this brief because I've actually written an entire article about this, is my favorite games of 2022, or rather the new releases from that year. So I wrote on epiloggaming.com an article that talked about all of the games from 2022 that I played, many of which I finished, and a few of which are sort of dangling there uh, in the ether. 
but I ranked my top five. And so for the sake of this episode, I don't really want to repeat too much of what I wrote there. I would just encourage you to go to epiloggaming.com and look up my game of the year article. And um, the top three that I ranked were in third place, We Are OFK, which is a game that is very much episodic in nature. It features a number of queer characters trying to form a band, but also maintain their relationships. It has a poppy, modern, pastel aesthetic. And it was something that like kept me looking forward to it for weeks at a time. I still think about it. I still listen to the music. And even though it's very light in terms of what you can do in it, what sort of interactivity it offers, I do think that if the previous description I just gave, like poppy music, queer characters, pastel vibes, if that sounds cool, hop on it. It's If you judge books by their cover, like I tend to do with games, uh, I, I think OFK is a surefire bet. The second place game is one that needs basically no elaboration, Elden Ring. Uh, and I would imagine that a couple other people on the show might mention this, but as far as I'm concerned, everyone who cares about Elden Ring has already played it, or everyone who is interested in keeping up with modern AAA-style releases has probably at least exposed themselves to it. So there's very little to say about Elden Ring that hasn't been said. Uh, again, I would turn you to some of the articles I wrote about the game over the course of the last year. There's a few up on epiloggaming.com, and I, I genuinely love love Elden Ring, but it is my number two. My number one game of the year is Immortality, and it's a game that I think is overlooked, largely speaking. Though it was nominated at places like Jeff Keighley's The Game Awards, and though it has received recognition at places like Golden Joysticks and other online accolades and superlatives, I truly don't see enough people talking about this game and how good it is. So, Immortality is a FMV game or a full motion video game where you are watching real footage of real actors. It's not like rendered 3D graphics. It's not 2D side-scrolling art. You are watching film footage. And the way that you interact with this film footage is, I think, one of the things that makes the game special. But at the same time, rather than sort of pitch immortality, I want to really caution any of you. If you have seen this game already and you kind of think you're into it, Go in without listening to the rest of what I have to say and just dive into the ice bath because I think the mystery and then the shock and the sort of psychological effects of immortality are the things that make me think of it so highly. It's not necessarily that playing an FMV game where you clip through different little snippets of footage and piece together an out-of-sequence narrative is that compelling. I have played games like this by the same creator, like Her Story or Telling Lies. But Immortality captures not only three separate feature-length films, presents them all out of order, but then it revokes the search bar function that you had in games like Her Story or Telling Lies, and instead you have to scrub the footage visually. You have to look at the actors, you have to look at their clothing, you have to look at the set pieces, the things that are on the table, the clapper that the uh, directors and the film crew interact with, sometimes they even come on screen. It, you have to pay attention to every detail with a degree of meticulousness that most games, especially FMV games, simply don't require. And as you piece together this narrative, if you're lucky, like I felt, you will be sucked in and ensnared to the mystery. But in case you play a little bit of it and don't quite get the draw, the thing that kept me going with Immortality is there was a little bit of an unsettling mystery that happened, where in the middle of all of the films, something else was going on. 
I wasn't just watching three films, there was a fourth narrative. And once you discover that fourth narrative, I think immortality goes from good to great, and from that point, skyrockets, and is still a game that I think about all the time. I, I can't praise it enough. And um, if you are looking for something that might bend your mind in a way that, for example, Doki Doki Literature Club, or even like a philosophical meditation like a Disco Elysium has done, then check out Immortality, and I don't think you'll have a bad time. I think you will probably be kept up at night if you play it a little too late, but otherwise I think it will kind of live in the back of your brain like an unfinished puzzle that you're, you keep looking for this final piece for. So play Immortality. And thank you all for listening over the last year. It has been an honor and a privilege, and I have had a blast. Enjoy 2023. Thank you, Flora. Uh, and now me. Uh, let me talk about my favorite podcasts from 2022 and my favorite games from the year, starting with podcasts. So uh, I'm going to try and talk about different pods uh, than Katie and Mo and Flora. Uh, first, by starting out with one that we did earlier in the year. Uh, it's Star Fox 64. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, Jacob, this is a almost 10,000 day old game. Uh, why are you talking about an N64 game? Well, sometimes I come out of an episode and I'm just like, man, we did we did a great job there. And I think that we had a lot of fun and talked about the game really tactically on that one. And then having Mike Toundrow on the show, um, I, I've been a fan of Mike for a long time and I love the work that he does over at 61 Indie. So having him come in, talk about one of his favorite games of all time, and then also provide indie game recommendations that uh, kind of are like Star Fox 64 was just like way too much work, but Mike, Mike over delivered as always, um, including uh, talking about Exodiac, which is a game that I checked out in early access, which was a slam dunk of a recommendation from Mike. So uh, that was my, my first favorite episode of the year. Second uh, was our Life is Strange series. Uh, we usually don't do that many episodic games in a year. It's usually one, and this year Life is Strange was that, but it was special for a couple reasons. Uh, Flora joined the show. We've been a fan of Flora's work for a very long time, uh, you know, dating back to an early episode of the show that we did together. And so it was really great to have her join the show there and then join us on this French One Tree Hill journey that is Life is Strange. Uh, five episodes, twisty turny, great music, and all that I know now is that I must play um, True Colors uh, and maybe even some of the other games that uh, are in the uh, Life is Strange universe. Uh, finally, this was the year that I really started to play challenging games. Uh, I'm a baby gamer and therefore I don't love to play games that super challenge me. Uh, we've already talked about Bloodborne to Death, so I won't talk about that one, but instead I'll talk about Returnal. Uh, Returnal is a game that uh, before playing Bloodborne was honestly probably one of the most challenging games that I've ever played. Um, but it was just super rewarding to me because I could see myself over my, you know, 24 hour playtime just continue to get better. And I will always remember my final run in the game where I essentially went through the back couple bosses and kind of just ran through them. Even the first, the last boss of the game, which I think is one of the easier bosses in the game, I ran through on my first attempt. So, uh, you know, I just always remember going through that underwater world in the game, and um, Returnal is just a game that I feel doesn't get enough credit. I, I feel like it was my 
had I had I finished the game at the end of 2021, it probably would have been even higher on my goatee list. But alas, uh, you don't get to finish all the games you want in a year when you have a full time job, etc. Uh, those are my favorite episodes of the year. But my favorite games of the year, um, there are three of them. In my top three is Immortality. Flora just talked about it. I will echo and plus one everything that she just said about Immortality. Um, It's stellar. And like she said, once you unravel the mystery of the fourth uh, story that's going on uh, with a really interesting and fun mechanic that I won't spoil for you, uh, the game kind of gets turned on its head and it turns into something completely different. All this tells me is I need to play Sam Barlow's second game, Telling Lies, uh, because I've only played her story and Immortality now. Um, This game's on Netflix even, so if you have a phone and you have a Netflix subscription, you have no excuse, you must play Immortality. I cheated a little bit, so let me give you my top uh, my top four games, if you will. Um, coming in at number four, uh, Call to the Lamb. Call to the Lamb is a super fun indie game that is half roguelike, half management sim. Now, I know what you're thinking. Sounds like a weird combination, but in the game, you build a cult. You are a lamb, uh, Call to the Lamb, and you build a cult of followers um, that will essentially help you in the dungeon sections of the game. Um, you gain power-ups and build different buildings and they do tasks for you like cut down trees or gather stone or just praise at the altar that you've created uh, to give you more essentially like spirit energy that will give you upgrades and then you make your way into the dungeons and you know take down multiple bosses I would say that the there are definitely better roguelike um, you know, from a from a battling perspective, from like a, a tactical action perspective, uh, there are better roguelikes. But I think the combination of the management stuff as well as the roguelike stuff makes this package unique in a way that few games, um, you know, uh, the uniqueness tickled me in a way that few games have tickled me, I would even say, in the last few years. So that's Call to the Lamb. Number three is Immortality. Number two is uh, Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Uh, now, I know this is maybe surprising because you're like, that's just the Mario RPG, right? Uh, yes, but uh, I think that compared to the first game, Kingdom Battle, uh, the team at Ubisoft has put together a package that is um, uh, compelling, uh, and they've made changes and tweaks to the core gameplay mechanics that make this one really fun to play. Many times, I would just get lost. Uh, you know, hours would go away because I would just sit there and play battles that you know, in some games may feel meaningless, but in these games, because of some of the, the tactical actions you can engage in and the way that the characters, weapons, and powers play off each other, um, like I said, I would just lose hours to this one. So, um, if you're curious, um, we did play Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle on this show. Uh, so if you're curious about that one, I would recommend that you go back and listen to our episode about uh, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, which can kind of give you a taste of what uh, this game is all about. And uh, when this game's on sale, I would say uh, jump on it uh, because it's my second favorite game of the year. And uh, it just surprised me at how um, how those small changes that they've made have made such a big impact in making this one super fun to play. Um, our Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle episode was 126. Uh, finally, my favorite game of the year, 
um, is not Elden Ring, uh, although I did play Elden Ring for about an hour just yesterday, actually, and uh, realized that uh, this is not a game I'm going to play right now, because I still haven't finished God of War Ragnarok. Uh, my favorite game of the year is actually Neon White. Now, that may seem surprising, uh, because the story of Neon White is uh, a visual novel that I think is a little bit corny in the way that anime can sometimes be corny. Um, but the core gameplay of this one is just a combination of gameplay mechanics that I haven't really played ever, to be honest with you. I'm not a speedrunning person. Um, you know, we, we had a great, as our past host mentioned, uh, a great episode about Celeste and the speedrunning community this year, but Neon White is truly special because it's a first person game that combines first person action, parkour, speed running, and then a, you know, light card mechanic, uh, in a way that just wants you to keep playing. So, you know, for example, you'll, there'll be a level that will be 10 seconds long where you'll have to make maybe three or four really strategic moves, whether it's make this jump, jump over this thing, kill this enemy, get a specific card so you can dash across, um, the open air and make it to the goal. But, you know, you'll be ranked against a bunch of your friends on different platforms. So if you've got your Steam friends and, you know, they've got Neon White loaded up and they've started playing it, you'll be compared against not only, you know, the world's times, but your friends' times. And that's really where the magic of Neon White comes in, where, you know, you are able to get certain medals. So let's say your silver medal, your uh, your gold medal, your platinum medal, your ace medal. Um, but then also you'll, you'll compare yourself against your friends. So they may have beaten you by... A a split second but you'll definitely want to repeat the level so that you can get a better time and then at least in my case throw it in their face to say that you're better at neon white than them um they add a bunch of mechanics as you go on just with the different powers that you can have and the different guns and even different um you know environmental objects you know like glass for example um it's super fun there are boss battles um it lasts eight to eight to ten hours if you're just kind of going through it obviously if you're replaying levels and replaying levels you may go longer uh but neon white is a game that i can absolutely recommend to anyone uh because the gameplay combination is just so unique so i cheated i gave you four but uh four call of the lamb three immortality two marion rabbit sparks of hope and one neon white uh, I am playing God of War Ragnarok, though. Uh, in this, It may sneak into my top four, but uh, we'll see. That is our year in review for uh, 2022. Our favorite episodes, our favorite games of the year. Um, if you want to talk about your favorite game of 2022, uh, do us a favor. Join our Discord, because that is a place where um, folks from all over the World Wide Web have... Uh, jumped into to share their thoughts about what they're playing uh, some great video game deals uh, we share yakuza gifts every friday um, it's just a really cool chill place to be so leftbehindgame.club slash discord is where you find that uh, you can find us on social at leftbehindclub on twitter and at leftbehindgameclub on instagram and you can find all of our hosts uh, at the following uh, you can find katie at lesperak on twitter l-e-s P-E-R-A-K. Uh, you can find Flora at Ludo Narrative FM on Twitter. Uh, you can find Mike, uh, who uh, 
You can find Mike at Ruffalo M, uh, and you can find Mo at M Murtadi on Twitter. Uh, a few fun projects that folks mentioned. Uh, Flora writes for EpilogueGaming.com. We've linked her top games of the year in the show notes for this one. Um, Katie and I also host a podcast called Cutscenes. It's a video game, movie, and TV podcast. Season four launches on January 19th. We are talking about Last of Us, the TV show on HBO, um, every week. Uh, for the entire first season run of the show so that should be super exciting and then you know i do a bunch of stuff i do the tiktoks i do the writing at thegamingbrief.ca um i do video game trivia sometimes i just got a lot of stuff going on you know two more things before we go if you like the show send it to a friend because that's how people hear about podcasts or personal recommendations leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice Uh, we'd love to see a bunch more reviews on spotify so if you have us and are listening to us on spotify please give us a five-star review Um, it goes a long way and that's the end of the show so i will be mike today and say and now my friends is one less year left behind